Oh, hey, hey, welcome back to the show. We're keeping it real. Goes right. Welcome back to Real Take Sports Talk live here on YouTube. A lot to talk about today. NFL Week 4 is in the books, well, except for the Monday night game, which by the time of this recording has not happened yet. However, it probably will have happened by the time you're listening to this. And if you are listening to this on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please be sure to hit that follow button. Leave us a five-star review. And if you're watching on YouTube live right now, please hit that like button. Help out the algorithm. Subscribe and hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. So a lot to talk about today. There's NFL Week 4, there's the return of Tom Brady, yes, Tom Brady, to the New England Patriots. There was a lot of hullabaloo, a lot made about that in the press this week, so we'll talk about that. We'll talk about how he did and how the Patriots did, how the Bucks did, talk about how all the teams did really this week in the NFL. We'll also talk about the rookie quarterbacks as we are four weeks into this season. We'll talk about how... Uh, some rookies are doing better than others. We'll also talk about how uh, how some coaches have problems with teams going after NFL records. We'll talk about you, Vic Fangio, in just a minute. But again, before we get to any of that, please hit that like button, subscribe, hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. So let's start today with a bit of a debrief about NFL week four because there were games that were played. So in week four of the NFL, we saw this happen. We saw the Jacksonville Jaguars fall to the Bengals, albeit in impressive fashion. The Jags fought a good game. They lost though 24-21. The New York Jets got their first win of the season over the Tennessee Titans who just cannot get their kicking game together. We'll talk about that later on in the show. The Chicago Bears got their win over the Detroit Lions, who are now 0-4, 24-14. The Indianapolis Colts got their first win this week, 27-17, over the Miami Dolphins. And the Washington football team got a big win over the Falcons, who did the most Falcon thing ever, and blew another lead, because that's all they do. 40 to nothing, just a shellacking sh 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 shutout by the Buffalo Bills over the Houston Texans, lots of Lots of hate from Texans fans on the Twitter this week. 27-21 uh, was the final score as the Giants defeated the New Orleans Saints. We also saw the Eagles put up a fight early on, but it wasn't enough against the Kansas City Chiefs. 42-30 was the final there. 28-36 was the final score in the Panthers-Cowboys game. Cowboys got that win over there, but the Panthers were impressive, albeit even in a loss. 14-7. Browns over the Vikings, 28-21, the Seahawks over the 49ers with Jimmy G not playing in the second half due to injury. We'll see how that progresses over the next few weeks. Also, the Arizona Cardinals arrived with a big win over the Los Angeles Rams, 37-20. 27-17 the final in Green Bay as the Pittsburgh Steelers got beat by the Green Bay Packers. 23-7 was the final score in Denver as the Baltimore Ravens threw the ball. Yes, threw the ball for over 300 yards past the Denver Broncos who just suffered their first loss of the season. And in the return, the big return from this week, 19-17 was the final as Tom Brady's Tampa Bay Buccaneers just barely eked by a win over the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick. Again, a lot to talk about here. Uh, you know, I could go a few different routes, right? 
I could go by the route of talking about how the Falcons did the most Falcon things ever and and blew that lead. I could talk about how the Chicago Bears finally used Mr. Trubisky in a positive way as Matt Nagy apparently gave up the play calling uh, this time around. I could talk about how the Jacksonville Jaguars are making steps, even though their head coach seems to be moving backwards and he could very well be on his way out early on in this season. But uh, I'm going to talk about something interesting. I'm going to talk about the Cleveland Browns. And it is it is worrying to me that this team struggled as much as they did. Baker Mayfield struggled to throw the football. They, they ran the ball fairly well, well enough. But it wasn't enough, I think, to really warrant how badly they played. 14-7 to over the Minnesota Vikings. I'll, I get it. The Vikings have a good defense. But you should be able to exploit a lot of weaknesses in that pass rush. And they, and they weren't able to do that. The... Cleveland Browns just weren't able to do that. That was one of my big takeaways. Another big takeaway, obviously, had to do with that Bills game. The Houston Texans look like they're just they're just done. They are just done. That is a team that we we all thought that they were going to rally behind Tyrod Taylor and 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 Dave Culley and without Deshaun Watson and all that. That's just not happening at all. The Jets getting their first win. We'll talk about that in a minute. But other than the stories I just mentioned, I think keeping an eye on that Jimmy G. Trey Lance deal that's going down in San Francisco right now is very important. It's crucial because Trey Lance played the second half as Jimmy G. got injured with a hamstring injury, I believe. And Trey Lance played decent. He played decent enough. Didn't didn't wow you with numbers. Uh, completed just over fifty five percent of his passes, uh, and you know, but the offense ran fairly well. I, I argue as well as it would with Jimmy G in there. I think Trey Lance probably gives you a little more dynamism with, at the quarterback position because of his ability to run. That's why I think that. If Jimmy G misses one game, and I've always said this from the beginning, if Jimmy G misses one game, it's over for the Jimmy G era in San Francisco. I think Trey Lance is going to be the starter. I think Mike Shanahan and and company are just looking for a reason to have Trey Lance be the guy. They don't want to rush it, but if you see that he's ready and he plays well, I think he's going to be the guy. And you know, against a very tough Seahawks team, they they were only lost by a touchdown. And the San Francisco 49ers, it's not like they're out of things. They're two and two. They they are this is a this is a great defense with a good enough offense that can run the ball effectively. And I think they will be able to run the ball more effectively now with Trey Lance in there rather than Jimmy G. So something to keep an eye on there. New York Giants, man. The New York Giants, they up a little bit of an upset, but but Saquon Barkley's a beast. We knew that. Daniel Jones is a very good to, to good to very good quarterback who just has a shitty offensive line and this is something we know we've talked about this we had nauseum we've talked about this uh it is it is embarrassing that this team has not been able to build up that offensive line it's embarrassing that this front office has not been able to build up the offensive line to where it should be however i think it shows you honestly how good that Saquon Barkley and honestly also Daniel Jones are. That doesn't mean Daniel Jones, I think, is going to be the quarterback after this year. I think if the Giants do bad enough, they should consider. Well, they're probably they're not going to pick up his fifth year option. Let's be honest here. Daniel Jones is not the quarterback who's going to get paid like a hundred million dollars. You could get someone in the draft to do what Daniel Jones does, and that is not a slight on Daniel Jones. It is just the truth. He is a very, very, very good game managing quarterback who has a shitty 
offensive line, but who is also inconsistent. And that inconsistency has hurt him throughout his career. There are times where he rises to the occasion. There are other times where he doesn't. And that is what has plagued him. And if you want to be a franchise quarterback, you have to overcome the faults of your team. You have to be able to overcome that stuff or and show poise. And there are times where Daniel Jones has not shown that poise. He's not shown that ability to to really come from behind and and fight back despite his own team. So those are the things that that stick out to me for the Giants moving forward. Again, they're in the AFC, NFC East. The Cowboys are a lot better than people thought they would be. Of course, though, it's the Cowboys. It's early on in the season. Pump the brakes on the NFC East. Everyone's in it until they're not. Um, I would say that the Giants are going to – they, they got a chance here. They definitely have a chance. I think Saquon Barkley showed why he was the number two overall pick in the 2019 or 2018 draft. He, ha, he really is the second coming of Barry Sanders. There's no bones about it. He really reminds me so much of Barry. It is it's unquestionable. So we'll see what Daniel Jones can provide. We'll see what Saquon Barkley can provide. Um, Matt Nagy finally gave up play calling duties. Couldn't be soon enough. That man, that man was on his way to destroying Justin Fields. And look, look what happened when you ran the ball. You run the ball. Good things happen, Chicago. Really good things happened. Um, but yeah. But yeah, this was a this was a fun week, and and the reason it was so fun was also because of the buildup. The buildup to this week was just amazing. You had the undefeated Broncos taking on the Baltimore Ravens, but you had a bigger matchup than that because you had. I, I think this is going to go down as the biggest return matchup in NFL history. Or at least, definitely up until this point, at least. Who knows? Uh, Russell Wilson, when he, whenever he decides to leave the Seahawks and he goes back, that, that could be a bigger one. But Tom Brady went back to New England, and it was a moment in time. After all the hype, after all the talk, after all of those commercials with the with Adele music behind it, Tom Brady made his illustrious return to Foxborough. Sunday Night Football Classic. Mac Jones looked really good. Tom Brady looked very good, but that Bucks offense struggled early on. Patriots lost by a hair on after a missed field goal by Nick Folk from 56 yards out, and it was it was what not a lot not what a lot of people were expecting. Not a lot of people were expecting a low scoring game. Not a lot of people were expecting the Patriots to be in it, have the lead for a good chunk of the game and, you know, lose it on a last second 56-yard field goal that doinked off the upright that could have been in had it just been a little bit to the right. I think it it showed one the preparedness of the New England Patriots. It showed how prepared Bill Belichick was for this Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense, for Tom Brady. They did a lot of things that that shook Tom Brady. They did a lot of things that, that got Tom Brady uncomfortable. And by uncomfortable, I mean they changed defensive looks. They rattled him. They got to him a few times. Matt Judon was very good at getting to him. Even, even after the game, Tom Brady came up to him and said, come on, Matt, you can't do that to me. So... So it was it was a very good game plan from the New England Patriots and offensively Josh McDaniels I think had one of his better coaching games and and Mac Jones obviously had his best game to date four games in. It, he went he went 31 for 40, 275 yards, two touchdowns. He had the one interception early, but he came back and and he was poised. The Mac Jones looked better than I honestly 
ever thought he could look. And it's a testament to this coaching staff. It's a testament to him, obviously, for for doing that. And the big question that, that everyone has after watching that, did this game live up to the hype? And if you're asking me, yes, it did. This was a Sunday night football classic for the ages. People are going to be talking about this for years. This is going to be talked about. There are going to be documentaries about this game because it it meant so much. And that's why the two greatest coach and quarterback combination in the history of this game going head to head in a game that had many lead changes in a game that had a missed field goal right at the end. Nick Folk could have made that kick. Chisel is going to have his head for it, but Nick Folk really could have made that kick and what impressed me the most out of this game was how the, the, this was a real defensive battle. Like, we can talk about the offenses, and, and we get lost in the offenses with people like Mac Jones, with people like Tom Brady, Mike Evans, Antonio Brown, and the like. It's very easy to get lost in how great these offenses are, but the defense was really the the big rallying cry that both of these teams can honestly go off of and say that they accomplished good things in like the defense really accomplished for both teams you take the Tampa Bay Buccaneers they completely shut down utterly completely shut down any attempts that the New England Patriots had of running the ball or any thought they had of running the ball New England couldn't run the ball eventually got to the point where they wouldn't run the ball I think they had like what four or five yards total for the game they literally gave up and they put it square in in the arm of Matt Jones and that proved to be fruitful for a while was it fruitful enough by a yard, it was not fruitful enough. But I thought they had a great... The Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the, those linebackers at front completely shut down any attempt at the run. They wanted to put Mac Jones in a position to win this game or wanted to put Mac Jones in a position to win or lose this game. And he he played very well. I'll say that about him. But you go to the New England side, they were very tricky with these looks they were giving Tom Brady. They would change up blitz packages. They would change up uh, a lot of looks. They would they would bring in different formations. They went from 4-3 to 3-4, and, and so, which is things New England doesn't tep- uh, typically do for every single opponent. And I, I want to credit the cornerbacks for the New England Patriots because, you know, they, they let Antonio Brown have a pretty decent day, but other than that, Mike Evans had a pretty quiet game. Cameron Bright didn't really show up too much. We d- we didn't see the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense really click the way it has been. You can partially also blame that definitely on Gronk not being there, but that's part of the game. Injuries happen, and this team is honestly talented enough, even without Gronk, to have that ability to play at a high level, and you didn't see it. Inconsistencies, Tom Brady looked rattled, and that is all due to, or mostly in part due to, uh, good old uh, Stephen Belichick, Bill Belichick's son, um, dialing up uh, some amazing blitz packages, dialing up a very solid game plan, and and going after the the big force of this offense, which is Tom Brady. Now, Leonard Fournette had a great game, I want to say that. Leonard Fournette, I think, was a difference for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. If he doesn't have the game that he has, if he doesn't play like he did, he did if he doesn't run the ball, run through tacklers like he did, I don't think the Patriots would have won this game. It was that close. So... That's the big takeaway for the New England for the 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 Tampa Bay Buccaneers rather. So Tampa Bay man, getting this win was huge. You could see the the emotion was in the air. And and for anyone who wants to say, oh Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, like who's going? Who's the bigger one? Like who is the bigger fish? Or who is who who is really responsible for all of those Super Bowls? The answer is quite simple. Both of them.
Tom Brady doesn't win six Super Bowls without Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick doesn't win six Super Bowls without Tom Brady. Tom Brady doesn't become the greatest quarterback ever without Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick doesn't become the greatest coach ever without Tom Brady. Tom Brady doesn't get as good as he does without Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick might not have had the time to get as good as he is without Tom Brady. This was a partnership, and that's what's lost on people. It's okay for partners after a while to go in separate directions, whether it's because they might not like the way that the other partner is treating them or whether it's because they want to experience something new and put out and, and go about have a new challenge. Because I, that's what I think Tom Brady was about. I think Tom Brady wanted to do things his way. I think Tom Brady once in his career wanted to say, let me go see if I can win. Let me go see if I can win and do it my way with my team that I built and have it just be me without having this, this tag of, oh, it's me and Bill all the time. And that's no indictment on Bill. That's just how, that's sometimes you have those self-ambitions. And Tom Brady had that ambition. And guess what? He went out and won a Super Bowl. That doesn't mean that Bill Belichick isn't a great coach. He's the greatest coach of all time. Bill Belichick inherited a crappy team, honestly, a shit team, if we're being real, and and got seven wins out of it last year. This year, they're looking, they're looking like they're making progress. Like if not this year, next year, this is definitely a team to to keep in your eyes, to to keep. Uh, uh, an eye on rather because they could they could do some damage they could I think they could get into the playoffs I think this is a team that could definitely scare some people and with Ma if Mac Jones keep progress keeps progressing like the way he is it's not a team you want to face not at all not at all anyway if you like that please hit that like button subscribe and hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released got daily videos right here on Real Take Sports um, about football, basketball, and a bunch of other things that I talk about on this channel because I love to talk about sports in case you guys uh, didn't get the memo on that. Um, anyway, so this next story is interesting because it involves records. It involves, you know, sportsmanship, both of which are things that NFL front offices apparently care about, but Sometimes those two things don't go together, and we found that out very directly this past Sunday at the Broncos-Ravens game. Um, so let's talk about it real quick because uh, it, it sure has been making its rounds in the press today. So as I pull up my handy-dandy graphic, um, let's talk about it, guys. Um, so the Denver Broncos, right? The Denver Broncos took on the Baltimore Ravens, and in beating the Denver Broncos 23-7 to this past weekend, the Baltimore Ravens, you know, they they put up the... the, the I, I messed that up. I It's always when I have solo shows. I always mess up only when I have solo shows That that because the energy isn't there. I, I don't have someone to feed off of, but it's okay. Two take, Omar. Back at it. <sighs> Let's do-do-do. There we go. All right. So in beating the Denver Broncos 23 to 7 this week, the Baltimore Ravens tied an NFL record with 100 rushing yards in 43 consecutive games. How did they get there? Though was a pretty big point of contention. You know, the Ravens were at that point in the game were up by two scores with just literally seconds left in the game. So, a lot of people would thought, "Uh, eh, maybe you don't take the record here. Maybe you just let it slide. Maybe you just take a knee." 
and you move on. That's the sportsmanship, right? Um, however, that's not what happened. With se just seconds left, down by up by two scores, rather, Lamar Jackson ran to the left to gain the four yards the Baltimore Ravens needed to secure this record, to tie this record. And one Vic Fangio, the head coach of the Denver Broncos, was not happy about it. He was very visibly upset on the sidelines. And when asked about it in a, an interview later on, he said this. Uh, did you have a problem with the last play that Baltimore ran? Yeah, I thought it was kind of bullshit, but I expected it from them. You know, I've 37 years in pro ball, I've never seen anything like that. So, but it was to be expected, and we expected it. Why did you expect it from them? Because I just know how they operate. You know, they, that's just their, uh, you know, mode of operation there. Player safety is secondary. Is that something anybody even really talked about, that they had 40 straight or whatever the number was, 100-yard games? And uh, we didn't talk about it during the week, but I'm sure the players were aware of it. You guys made them well aware of it. So Vic Fangio. Vic Fangio came out and said that this is bullshit. They, they shouldn't have gone for the record, right? He's a little hypocritical about this, and we'll get to exactly why in just a second. But before we do that, John Harbaugh actually fired back at Vic Fangio, saying in a statement, quote, Throwing the ball in the end zone with 10 seconds left, which he's alluding to what the Broncos did literally just seconds before that because they were down by two scores and still trying to score at that point. So Harbaugh kind of is taking a shot there. So he says, throwing the ball in the end zone with just 10 seconds left, uh, I don't know if that's a 16-point touchdown that's going to be possible right there. He said they, the Broncos, were very determined to stop the run. Obviously, that was a very important goal for those guys to keep us under 100 yards, apparently. So, John Harbaugh, you know, taking a little bit of a shot there at one of his former assistants in Vic Fangio, again, who was a Baltimore Raven in 2009 until he got uh, fired. So, maybe there's a little bit of bad blood there. But I'll tell you this. Was it sportsmanlike for the Baltimore Ravens to, to kind of take that record in the last play of the game? And is Vic Fangio right? Who's right? Who's wrong? I'll say this. For Vic Fangio, right, to be mad about this, someone who on a Thursday night football game against the Jets last year, up up by, I believe, uh, two scores on fourth down, decided with just seconds left in the game to pass the ball, to do a throwing play. So he put his quarterback out there, and he threw the ball, and his quarterback got hit because if you're a defense, right, and someone's running a play, it doesn't matter how much time is left, you are going to go after the ball because that's what you do. Vic Fangio run, ran a play with just seconds left last year against the New York Jets on Thursday night football and then was upset about the Broncos playing, or the, the Jets rather, playing defense. This is the same Vic Fangio who did that. The same Vic Fangio who, honestly, you want to talk about sportsmanship, you, you want to talk about bullshit, right? The Broncos' 3-on-1 record, Vic, is pretty bullshit, all right? Your first three opponents ha going into Week 4 had a combined record of 0-9, hadn't won a game. They And you guys, you guys, you know, you, you, get, you didn't look too great against all of them. There were some opponents you looked really good against, some not so much. So don't tell me, don't tell me that, oh, it's bullshit when... You have teams running up scores, and you have teams who 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 play football and tell the whistle. Vic, if you're such a great defensive mind, 
Maybe you could have put up a game plan to actually stop the Ravens. Maybe you could could have put up a game plan to actually stop them from gaining that, that 100 yards on that last play. If you're such a great defensive mind, Vic, maybe, just maybe, you wouldn't have let Lamar Jackson, who, who a lot of people say he's not as good a thrower as he is a runner, maybe you wouldn't have let him go for 300 yards on your defense, Vic. Bullshit, right? That, that that's that's such a cop out from Vic Fangio. I'm sorry. Vic, honestly, honest to God, man, you should have stopped them. All right. There's no it's not unsportsmanlike for the Ravens to go for a record. They they the record was right there. We've seen teams do it before. We've seen we're going to see teams do it again. There are teams that don't stop. They don't stop their offense for the entire game. And I'm honestly for that. If look, it's one thing, right? It's one thing to be to be up by like like let's say four scores, right? You're up by 28 and and it's and it's like literally 40 seconds left. Take the knee. But if you got a record on the line, like Tom Brady, for example, Tom Brady, what does he do now, right? What does he do ever since he got over a thousand yards rushing? He never takes a knee backwards. He takes a knee forward to at least have no loss on the play so he doesn't lose rushing yards. Nobody complains about that, right? Nobody complained for years, for years, when the Patriots would run up scores up until the last second, sometimes even put their backups in, and run up scores. Nobody said a damn thing. Nobody says a damn thing when Tom Brady does it. But Vic Fangio, oh, the great Vic Fangio, the the wonderful head coach who has so many wins. The great Vic Fangio comes out and, and calls out John Harbaugh, says it's bullshit, says, oh, player safety doesn't matter to them. Vic, what do you mean player safety doesn't matter to them? Obviously, player safety doesn't matter to you. You did you did almost the same thing in, honestly, a, a less worthy circumstance last year, Thursday Night Football against the Jets. I'm going to say until, uh, until I'm blue in the face because it's true, Vic. Look it up. It's exactly what you did. So don't don't come don't come at the Ravens. Don't come at at football with with the these these asinine arguments that oh it, it's it's bullshit. Oh they don't care about player safety. You obviously didn't care about your quarterback safety when you got hit on the last play of the game against the Jets last year on Thursday Night Football. Come on, Vic. You've been around too long, right? You've been around too long to really have that way of thinking and think that's how things are. All right. If you're if you're salty, you lost. That's a different thing. You can be salty. You lost. I'd be salty if I lost like that too because honestly, honestly, Vic, it it sucks. It must suck to suck, which is exactly what the Broncos have been doing for the past, what, four years, five years, ever since Peyton Manning left, ever since you were head coach, basically. That's what the Broncos have done, and that's all they're going to do under Vic Fangio because Vic Fangio isn't a guy who's going to inspire a football team to greatness. Vic Fangio isn't a guy who is going to be the difference between a good team and a championship team. This Broncos team has a chance to be good, but they're, but one their problem is their head coach. The other problem, obviously, is their quarterback situation. I like Teddy Bridgewater, but if they want to take the next step into becoming a Super Bowl team, they have to elevate that position. And I don't think Vic Fangio is in a state of mind where he wants to do that. I don't think Vic Fangio is at the point where he wants to do that. I don't think he really cares about the quarterback position because he is a one-trick pony. This guy is strictly worried about defense. He doesn't care about what the offense does. He doesn't care about what the offense is. And maybe that's why he's so mad. Maybe that's why Vic Fangio is so mad. It's because his de- his defense got exposed by the Baltimore Ravens. He got exposed as being a fraud. Maybe that's why Vic Fangio is so mad. Maybe. Just a theory. Just a theory. Just a theory. 
Let me know what you guys think about this theory, though, in the chat, in the comments, and on Twitter, at RealTakeSports. Hit that like button, subscribe, and hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. Vic Fangio, cut it out, man. You lost. Accept it. Move on. It happens. And record. And look, if you're a team out there and records motivate you, go for the records. Go for the records. Always go for the records because, honestly, why wouldn't you? Anyway, let's keep it moving. Let's keep going, and let's talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Man, oh man, what is wrong in Pittsburgh, people? Pittsburgh Steelers lost to the Green Bay Packers this week, 27-17. They have now lost three in a row. They start the season one and three in last place, dead last place, I should say, in the AFC North. Big Ben doesn't look like he's, uh, he's getting any better right now. He actually looks like he's regressed a little bit, and on top of it all, they have some key injuries. They can't run the ball. TJ Watt, of course, is out, and, and he's kind of week to week, so we'll have to see what happens with him. And a lot of people are asking. Pittsburgh Steelers, they, they had that comeback win against Buffalo in week one. We, we thought that they had, they had, you know, maybe they'd be the same Pittsburgh Steelers, at least the, what they were last year. Doesn't seem to be the case. They've lost three in a row. Is this early starts, just early early season jitters, or is it something to worry about long-term for this team? And I'm going to be very blunt with Steelers fans, and I'm going to tell you, you definitely should be worried about this team. Big Ben Roethlisberger has regressed. He is not the same player as he was last year. He's not even the same player, or he's not the same player he was 10 years ago, definitely. But And, and look, it's not necessarily a bad player. It's just an inconsistent older player who is limited. I, and the other thing to worry about is the fact that this offense just doesn't seem to be clicking no matter what they do. They try to run the ball with Najee Harris, mixed results. Najee Harris is good, but he's not hes not getting the job done sometimes. A lot of that is due to that terrible, stinky, atrocious offensive line that they have in Pittsburgh. But there's that aspect of it. There's the fact that the receivers, like Juju Smith-Huster, I believe, had one catch for 11 yards yesterday. And this is a guy who many thought was the next Antonio Brown, the next Mike Wallace for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, he might have been because ex he did exactly what those two guys did uh, afterwards. That he fell off. And they, the only difference is Antonio Brown, or sorry, uh, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster stayed. <laughs> stayed on the team when he fell off. So that that's the thing about the Steelers. They're, you know, Deontay, uh, uh, Deontay Johnson is doing pretty good, but... But Juju Smith-Schuster is a guy who a lot of teams were willing to pay big money for, and I don't think he's going to get those same offers as he did last year. And a lot of that is due to the way the offense runs, and it runs through the big guy, Big Ben Roethlisberger, who he looked like he lost a step last year. And I think the problem with Big Ben isn't so much that he's completely lost a step. I think he can still be a very good quarterback sometimes. The problem is it's that sometimes— Big Ben Roethlisberger is not the guy who's going to be consistent week in, week out, every single week anymore. That's just not going to happen. He needs to have a, wrong, a strong running game behind him. He needs to have a strong defense behind him. And the Steelers currently have a an injured defense, an injury-plagued defense, and they don't have an offensive line that can block for the run. So it's all in his hands at this point, and there's only so much he can do. If you want to get a quarterback who can overcome some of these pitfalls, then that's a totally different thing. Maybe you should have drafted a young guy instead of, you know, keeping Mason Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer on the roster for the past few years. I don't know. But 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 
the, it, what is true is that last year we saw them start off 11-0. Big Ben was playing very good. The offensive line overall was playing very good. The defense was playing out of this world with Bud Dupree and TJ Watt and them boys. But we saw when it came time for Big Ben to kind of close out games later on in the season, and that's when they went on that 1-4 and four, uh, streak to end the season, right? To end the season, they they went one and four. They dropped from number one in the AFC all the way down to number uh, three in the AFC, just in a matter of a few weeks at the end of the season. And it was very easy to see what had happened. Big Ben Roethlisberger just wasn't able to make the plays that he needed to. He was still doing the Big Ben stuff of old. The only problem was that it wasn't as good as it was. He wasn't accurate throwing the football as he used to be. And I think we're seeing that bleed into this season, which for Steelers fans is a big deal. Because if ben, Big Ben Roethlisberger can't do it anymore, this team can't do it anymore. Because the defense is hurt, the defense isn't as good, even healthy as it was last year, and also offensive line can't block for a shit. So if you're a Steelers fan and you're watching these games and you're watching your team and you're hoping, you're, you're waving your little terrible towel, your, 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 your little... Your little uh, a little rag there. If you're <laughs> if you're doing that, then I think it is it, it, it's 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 going to be tough. It is going to be a tough season, especially considering the fact that you have the Browns in that division. Who Browns are they? Great, we'll see. They're really good though, and I'd say they're definitely better than the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then you got on top of that the Bengals, who are two and one, and Joe Burrow looks like he's a very good to elite quarterback, or at least he's going to be elite definitely someday. Lamar Jackson, he is elite. He's an elite passer. He's an elite runner. He's one of the best running backs in the NFL, and he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And the Ravens are have a great defense. They are the class of this division. You can say the Browns are right there, number two. Maybe we'll see what they become over the next few weeks. But the Steelers are 100%, very easily, by the way, very easily at the bottom of this division. And it's not even close. The Steelers don't have the talent. They don't have the health, honestly, as some of the other teams. And they, they, they just don't seem to have it. And you guys all know what I'm saying when I say it. This is not a team that looks like they're playing inspired football. This is a team that looks like they're just kind of going through the motions, hoping, praying, uh, just trying to will themselves to a victory. But it it doesn't seem to be manifesting in the way that many Steelers fans want, or I, I think, honestly, people on this team want. So that that's what I think. Um but let me know what you guys think in the chat. I'd be happy to take your guys' questions and whatnot. Um, in the chat, here we go. We got some questions here from Ryan Woodridge. Welcome back, Ryan. Ryan asks, hi, bro. Ryan asks, hi, bro. Big Ren Roethlisberger retiring at the end of this year? Question mark. I think so. I think he's pretty much done. I think he just came back for one last hurrah. Ryan also asks in the chat, hi, will anyone sign Le'Veon Bell? Actually, Le'Veon Bell already signed a few weeks ago with the Baltimore Ravens. And come to think of it, he actually was active for his first game this past week against the Broncos. Ran for a few yards, not many, but he looked he looked like you know he was just getting his, his wits about him. So we'll see about that. Ryan finally asks, maybe the Steelers should get him back. Oh, he's in Baltimore, baby. He ain't coming back to, to Pittsburgh. He's definitely not coming back to Pittsburgh. Le'Veon Bell is a Baltimore Raven wearing that glorious... Number seventeen for a running back, which which you know I have not seen, I've not seen, but uh, in a while at least. But you know what? Good for him. I'm glad he's he's doing that. Anyway, 
So if you guys keep coming back with your questions in the chat, hit that like button, help out the algorithm, subscribe, and hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. So let's move on and talk about one of the probably the less talked about stories that I think should be talked about more, and that is what went down at the Meadowlands Stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey, between the Titans and the Jets. This was one interesting game so uh let, let, let's let's dive into it so the new york jets got their first win of the season by defeating the tennessee titans 27 to 24 in overtime the titans had a chance to tie the game at the end of overtime but randy bullock missed the field goal which is something the titans fans everywhere are all too familiar with at this point he missed the field goal with just seconds left in overtime that would have given them the tie and just Titans fans, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're cursed. You're just cursed. I, I don't know how else to explain it. They they had Gasowski last year. It didn't work out with him. He missed critical field goals, and he was gone. Before that, they had Ryan Suckup, who honestly was a great kicker who was injured. I don't know why they tried him out injured to, to kick field goals, and then they hoping that he would make them, but he ended up missing them. Then they cut him and moved on from him, and now he's, I believe, in in, in uh, Tampa Bay. He's actually in Tampa Bay right now, kicking field goals, uh, and doing very well this year for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So... I don't know what's going on. I don't know. I don't know whether it's your special teams unit. I don't know whether it's your your locker room, the mojo, the something in the water, it, what it does to legs, what it does. To, I don't know. You got to got to fix it though. You definitely have to fix it because that kicking is a problem for the Tennessee Titans, and it has been for too long. And look, anyway. Josh, uh, Zach Wilson, though. Zach Wilson in this game went 21 for 34, 297 yards, nearly a 300-yard game, two touchdowns, one interception, and that is coming off of a string of just terrible, deflated performances by not only him, but this Jets offense, this Jets team, uh, to be fair, because this Jets, it wasn't always just the Jets offense and Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson is just a, a, a product of what's around him a lot of times, and what was around him was typically not good for the first few weeks of the season, but who did we learn more from uh, from this game? Was it the Jets or the Titans? And you could make the argument, and I could see it, right? I could definitely see the argument that we probably learned more about the Jets in this game because of how bad they were. You know, a lot of people already thought the Titans were going to be inconsistent. A lot of people already thought without uh, A.J. Brown, without, uh, uh, you know, Julio Jones and that, and that receiving threat, they were going to struggle a little bit in this game, but... Losing to the Jets, I think, is pretty damning. And I think one thing we learned about the Tennessee Titans in this game is that not only do they have trouble, uh, you know, consistently relying on their pass game, but but that defense is a problem. That defense is definitely a problem. I talked about how the kicking game and special teams unit can be a problem. That defense is not good. They were letting Josh or Zach Wilson do whatever he wanted. On offense, they were letting him throw. They almost let him the kid throw for three hundred yards. This is the same guy who, for for the first few weeks of the season, was just throwing up picks uh, left and right and getting sacked left and right. And he didn't really get pressured as much as he did in previous games. So the the Tennessee, Tennessee Titans, the biggest problem. What I learned from this game was definitely that the Titans defense needs to tighten up. Because if they do not, this is not a team that's going to be contender for a Super Bowl. This is not a team that's going to. 
beat some of the classes of the this AFC. They're not going to be able to beat the Ravens. They're not going to be able to beat the Chiefs. They're not going to be able to beat the Chargers or, or, or any of those teams. Uh, this is a team that looks like it's going to completely rely on its offense for the rest of the year. And I know they have some key injuries on defense. Maybe they'll get healthy, but maybe they won't. And I don't see it. I don't see some of these some of these injuries, even if they come back. I don't know if they're going to be able to mesh well at, at the end of the day. I think, and as long as some of these players are injured, it's going to remain a problem. And and it takes some teams weeks to figure these things out. Granted, we have a longer season now, but I don't know. I think the Titans need to find a way to 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 adapt to this situation because the truth is, the best teams in the NFL always find a way to adapt. Look at the Baltimore Ravens. They had a, a, a slew of injuries throughout their roster in the secondary and in the running. They, their entire running back room got wiped out before week one. They had to sign a few people off the, off, off the street out of nowhere. They had to make it work. Next man up worked for them. And if you are also a great team who wants to compete for a Super Bowl, it has to work for you. Excuses, 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 as the old saying goes. You can't let the Jets do this to you point blank even if your offense is struggling you cannot lose to the Jets you also can't almost tie with the Jets and then be upset you almost tied I don't think that's really something to be upset about I think I think no matter what you go for the win there I don't I, I don't understand the strategy but granted it wasn't my game right um but the Tennessee Titans have a lot to figure out this week they they and they are not off to a good start this season either I think if you're a Titans fan Derrick Henry He's obviously, he's always going to do well. He's King Henry. He might rush for 2,000 yards again. Who knows? But Ryan Tannehill is just not the the elite quarterback that they're paying him to be. And that's fine. He A lot of times he doesn't have to be. The issue is, it's very similar to what's going on in the Pittsburgh Steelers offense. Because the issue with, with Tannehill on this team is that the longer he, or, or the longer that this defense isn't figured out, the longer that his receivers, Julio Jones and A.J. Brown, are out or, or you know, he does, he gets less reps with them and he, he can't rely on them, we're seeing what Ryan Tannehill is, which is a very, very good quarterback who, with the right talent around him, can be great. But the problem is having the right talent around him, having putting being in the right situations, having your defense put, putting you in the right situations. So that's the, the, those are the key things. And for the Jets, I mean... I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but I think this is a big win for them. They are this is a this is a big win for their future because either they're going to take this, rally behind this, build from this and, you know, maybe rattle off, you know, four wins over the next uh whatever we have left, like 16 weeks or whatever. Uh 16, it's like 14 whatever. Or they're not and they're just going to be what they what they were to begin the season and uh, that's I think closer what they are I think this Tennessee game was more or less an anomaly that doesn't mean that Zach Wilson is a bust I don't believe him he's a bust I don't want him to be a bust rather I think though that the New York Jets have, could could have put him in a better situation overall this season to succeed uh, but that's a story for another another for another day uh, I'm slipping all over my words today probably because I didn't drink coffee today um, <clears throat> as you can hear in my voice, I am a little, a little tired. Uh, anyway, 
So let's uh, let's go to the group chat real quick. So what NFL team do you think will miss the playoffs this year and made it last year? I think the Titans are probably in the conversation for that. And the Titans, you could argue that uh, the the Seattle Seahawks could be in that conversation too. That that's a competitive, tough division, and we found out yesterday exactly why. There's, you know, the the Washington football team, obviously. Who knows what's going to happen with the NFC East? That's always a toss-up every year The if the winner gets back into that, that, that winning situation. We don't know. So they're in that conversation. I, I do think also on top of that, you could put the Cleveland Browns in there. How good are the Browns are actually and... How good can the Bengals be? Those are two things that could severely hinder their uh, progress or, or their determination whether or not they make the playoffs. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, same reasons, same division. So lots of teams, man. And and even with the expanded playoffs, I think it's going to be trouble for a lot of teams, especially in the AFC, to make the playoffs that that even made it last year. Um. Ryan Woodridge asks, did any team sign Golden Tate? Uh, you're asking about Golden Tate, former Lions receiver. I'm pretty sure, if I'm not mistaken, he's doing uh, good morning football. So I think he's a free agent still. Uh, what do you think about Sam Darnold? Sam Darnold's playing great. He's playing exactly like he should have been if the Jets were smart, putting talent around him, uh, building a good offensive line around him, solid defense. He is in a great situation to be good, to build, to develop into what he was supposed to be, and I think he's on his way to doing that. Even in a loss to the Cowboys, I want to stress this, the Panthers looked good. They are like they are not the 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 3-0 that they had coming into week 4 versus the Broncos 3-0 coming into week 4, two completely different stories. I don't there's a lot of people want to equate them. It's it's two very different stories. One is a team that's playing complete football and that you can see getting better. The Broncos are more or less just playing what what they are at, and and which is which is okay and, and sometimes good, but it's not going to be up to the up to par to be competing with with division or conference heavyweights, if 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 you will. Anyway, if you like that though, be sure to hit that like button, subscribe, and hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. With that out of the way, guys, let's get to our NFL Rookie Roundup. And this is a segment where we're going to talk about all of the rookie quarterbacks and, and how they're progressing so far this season, how they're doing, and and which ones we're most impressed with. Kind of answer some superlatives about them. So let's talk about some of these rookies. So we're four weeks into the season. These rookie quarterbacks, honestly... And it might not come out on the stat sheet, but they are impressing me. And they are impressing, I think, everyone with the poise that they're playing with. This is probably the most poised class of rookies we've, we've seen in a very long time. And it starts on the top. You know, Mac Jones, he's he's probably he's probably the standout here, completing 70% of his passes, very efficient through the air, over a thousand yards. He's he's got the best touchdown interception ratio uh from anyone who started games, at least. Um, no disrespect to Trey Lance, but he hasn't started a game yet, so we'll see how he does probably next week. Um well here's what I'll say. As far as who's been the most impressive quarterback out of this class so far. It's very easy to say Matt Jones. I think Matt Jones had went into a situation where he had a lot of things in place that would help him succeed. And that is not an indictment on him. He's done exactly what he's supposed to do. If not more, he's done really good. And here's what I'll say. 
I was wrong about Mac Jones. I said that Mac Jones, to me, had probably some of the biggest bust potential in this draft. I was wrong because he went, not only did he go to a situation that was good for him, but even with that, he's playing great. He's playing better than I thought he would, and he looks poised. He looks like an NFL quarterback, and he looks like someone who's going to be around for a long time, and I can see him develop. He's reading defenses now, uh, which, you know, something he he did, uh, he struggled with uh, in at Alabama. He didn't do too much. A lot of that was done for him, but he's reading, leading defenses. He's leading offenses. He's running a no-huddle offense. He, he, the other night against uh, Tampa Bay, he was running a no-huddle offense for, for most of the game, so I'm wrong, dead wrong about that. Mac Jones, to me, he has impressed, honestly, more as far as who's the most impressive from draft night to here, it's Mac Jones. But here's what I'll also say. The other person who's impressed me a lot in, with what he's done is Trevor Lawrence. Because unlike Mac Jones, Trevor Lawrence went to a situation where didn't have a good coach, where the offensive line was garbage, where he doesn't have a lot of weapons outside of James Robinson, who... The Jaguars up until last week just refused to use. So he doesn't have the help that around him that the other, these other teams have. The defense is trash. So in spite of that, though, the Jaguars were in the game against the Bengals, and Trevor Lawrence is leading this team. He is, and you can see it. He's poised. He's the only reason sometimes that these that his team is in games, and he's doing exactly what a player pick number one overall probably should be doing in this situation, which is uplifting his team. And I think he's on his way to doing that. And it's obviously not available firsthand on the stat sheets. Five touchdowns to seven interceptions. Yeah, no, no, terrible stat line. I'm not going to lie to you. But he is asked to do a lot with what he's doing. Uh, unlike someone like Mac Jones, who's not asked to do a lot, unlike someone like Trey Lance, who when he gets his start, he's not going to be asked to do too much as far as, you know, Will the team only by himself? That's what uh, that that's what basically uh, uh, that's what his responsibility is. That's what Trevor Lawrence's entire responsibility is right now. So, being able to will your team by yourself is a tough situation. But you're he's a number one overall pick, and I think he's rising to the occasion, playing with poise, leading this team, and not letting the the mistakes get the better of him. Not letting. The fact that Urban Meyer is a terrible NFL head coach get the better of him, uh, and and that that's where I kind of think I was more so right. I, I thought Trevor Lawrence is doing just about what I thought he would be doing at this point in in his career, and I think he's going to get better. That team needs to get better though. First, Shad Khan and Tony Khan, man, you gotta you gotta fix that front office, you gotta fix that head coaching, you gotta fix the coaching. It is not good. Um, moving on to Justin Fields, Justin Fields. As another person who suffered from bad coaching, I think Fields in last week's game actually showed a lot of what he probably should be doing, which is more so managing the games, using his athleticism to get out of the pocket and make plays. And I think the more they can continue to do that, the better he will be. Zach Wilson's interesting because he struggled mightily. He's in a very similar situation to Justin, uh, to sorry Trevor Lawrence. He's in a very similar situation to Trevor Lawrence, as in bad team, um, you know, doesn't have the talent around him to really be successful like a Mac Jones would. And it's basically the offense is almost entirely on him because Jets don't really have a running game either. So with Zach Wilson, I think it's a situation where he does have a, he does have a good coach, but the problem is he's a defensive minded coach. And while he's trying to get that defense together, Zach Wilson's kind of a, you know, 
he he's kind of by not by himself because he's obviously getting coached, but he he's more separated at least from the head coach than these some of these other quarterbacks are. But he showed poise in that game against the Titans, and if he can continue to do that, he will be another guy to watch out for. And I think he's also someone who, given the fact that he's on the Jets, done about as well as as people probably thought he would be doing. I know a lot of people were high on 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 Zach Wilson. I wasn't as high on Zach Wilson. I thought he was more of a prospect than a uh, prototype. But I do think that there are things to like about him, and I see what the, there was to like about him. And they align with what you thought. He dude has got a, a big arm. He doesn't like you know he likes he, he usually reads defenses pretty well it has not i think it's got it's a little too fast for him right now I, I i genuinely think the way he's playing it's a little too fast for him right now he'll get better the only issue i have is that team around him is really bad and they are and i don't know if he's a play like it is sink or swim for him i'm very concerned that he's going to be in a very similar situation that sam darnold was in just a few years ago where he everyone labels him a bust because the team around him is trash because he doesn't have the the help that some of his other contemporaries would have and that maybe he got uh, pushed into the spotlight pushed into the starting job at a time where he probably should have been holding the clipboard and letting someone else take the beating he is one of the most rushed quarterbacks in the NFL too like that offensive line is atrocious absolutely a dumpster fire should not no sensible coach no sensible team would put that offensive line out there that, that's how bad the Jets offensive line is especially with Mekhi Becton going down big ups to him hopefully he gets better soon for Zach Wilson's uh, case um and the finally the the other one is Trey Lance Trey Lance man we, we've seen a very small sample size of him but from what we've seen of him He's doing pretty well. Three touchdowns, no interceptions. Came into that second half in the last game. Played pretty well, just about, if not as good as Jimmy Garoppolo, I believe. I believe he was just about the same as Jimmy Garoppolo in the effectiveness that he had in that game. I think the effectiveness he can have moving forward, however, is vastly uh, leagues better than Jimmy Garoppolo. So I think look for Trey Lance to be a guy to, uh, if he if he gets that first start, He's going to keep the starting job. I I truly believe that, and he's not going to let go for it for a long time. The Trey Lance is to me of all of these quarterbacks, from Justin Fields to Mac Jones to Trevor Lawrence to Zach Wilson to even Davis Mills, who I haven't mentioned yet, but we'll talk about Davis Mills in just a second. But out of all of these rookie quarterbacks, I think the biggest ceiling goes to Trey Lance. That doesn't mean he's going to be the best. That means if he reaches his full potential of what I think he can be, I do believe that uh, Trey Lance is going to be the best out of this class. He's just got massive arm, huge intangibles, leadership skills, all of that. On top of that, he he can run with the football. He can run through people. You don't want him to have a. You don't want him to do that too much. But you want to. But I think Kyle Shanahan's know how he's going to use him. Knows how he's going to use him. As I slipped over my words there. The other person who is not on this graphic right here, who I should mention is Davis Mills, rookie quarterback for the Houston football Texans. He was uh, picking a third round this year. He was actually their first pick uh, in the entire draft because the Houston Texans didn't have picks in the first two rounds this year because they traded them all away thinking that they were building a dynasty when they were actually destroying one that wasn't actually a dynasty. But 
So is the case of Bill O'Brien. But Davis Mills has played, played very good, uh, considering the situation he's in, too. Because they're not in a good situation either. You know, two touchdowns, five picks. They were in that game against the Panthers last Thursday night. They were atrocious, if we're being honest, against the Bills. But it's the Bills. that they, That is the class of the NFL, if we're being honest. So... Struggles for him. He's another quarterback similar to Zach Wilson, put into a situation where I think he, you know, he probably shouldn't have been if, if you want to develop him to his full potential. But uh, you got to live and learn. And and he's next man up. Tyrod Taylor obviously got injured, and he was the next guy on the, on the depth chart. And and maybe that's before he he probably should have been starting. Maybe that's before a lot of people wanted him starting. But that's the NFL, and that's how it goes. Um, but there are things to like about Davis Mills, even though he threw four interceptions in his last game. There are things to like about him. I like his size. I like he she played with a little poise in that Panthers game. Not so much in that Bills game, but you know, young quarterback. Hopefully he can get over it and and hopefully move past it because the, you know the Texans obviously need it, man. They they could use a good young quarterback. Anyway, I could use a hit a hit to that like button though. If you're listening to this or watching this rather live on YouTube, please hit that like button. Help out the algorithm. Help more people see it. Subscribe to the channel for daily videos. YouTube.com forward slash Real Take Sports. Just hit that subscribe button down below. Check out all the links in the description. We do have one more segment though. I don't want to make it look like we're uh we're, we're ending the show right now because we do have one. More segment and it's something that is uh, near and dear to my heart, near and dear to my uh, soul as a fan of not only sports but especially baseball. And it is the entire reason that I am a baseball fan. Um, and you know, it, it so we'll get to that in just a second though. Before we do, let's go to the chat real quick where Ryan and Cutie Pie, welcome Cutie Pie, have been uh, in the chat talking back and forth here. Um, so Ryan asks, did anyone sign Golden Tate? Oh, we already said that one. Um, what happened to Nathan Jones from WWE? Uh, I think, I, didn't he go to, I don't want to say, I don't know. I, I don't know what happened to him. I think he went back to Australia. Uh, Mac Jones is doing very good, says Cutie Pie. Most definitely. Absolutely. Mac Jones is doing very good. And and again, when I said when I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And I will say that I'm wrong. I was wrong about Mac Jones. I can tell it already. I'm getting ahead of it, <laughs> so it's so people don't say, "Oh, you were wrong about Mac Jones." And when I when they say that, I can be like, "Yeah, I know." Here's a link to the video where I actually admitted to that, like three weeks in, because I'm some willing to admit that I'm wrong. It's okay to be wrong. The only problem is being stubborn and digging your heels in when you're wrong, and and saying, you know, going out there and saying that Tom Brady's falling off a cliff when he's obviously not. We're talking to you, Cliff Kellerman. Um, Anyway, guys, be sure to hit that like button, subscribe, hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. <sighs> gotta, gotta hydrate. Always remember to hydrate. Anyway, <clears throat> let's get back to the show and let's talk about uh, Ryan Zimmerman's last stand. Again, a story very close to my heart. <sighs> Ryan Zimmerman, one of the greatest nationals. Well, not even the greatest nationals. Let's be honest here. He is one of the greatest players to ever play baseball, and that is just a a, a, a rock-solid fact, okay? A rock-solid fact. So, oh, I'm getting choked up just talking about it. Sorry. Um, anyway, so with thousands cheering him on and respect given from both the dugouts of the Washington Nationals and the Red Sox giving him a standing ovation 
Ryan Zimmerman took what could be his final bow. Yes, his final bow as a Washington National, as a player in baseball, as the Washington Nationals ended their season playing at home against the Boston Red Sox, which could mark the end of Ryan Zimmerman's career. And for those of you who don't know who Ryan Zimmerman is, he was the first overall draft pick ever in 2005 when the Washington Nationals actually relocated to Washington. So he's the original Mr. National. He's played in over 1,700 games for this team. That's all. That's a team record. 284 home runs, 1,846 hits, 1,061 RBIs, all of those team records. He is a two-time All-Star to go along with that, has a few gold gloves. He Ryan Zimmerman is Mr. National. He is fitting of that nickname. He is fitting of that title, and he will forever be Mr. National. He wasn't the greatest. He wasn't the best player in, in, in the history of this franchise. Let's be honest here. He wasn't as good. He was never as good as Bryce Harper, but what he meant to the team was worth 10. Yes, 10 Bryce Harpers. 10 Steven Strasburgs, and yes, 10 any other player. Insert them here. Um, talking to you, I'm talking to you, Max Scherzer. Um, but the reason he was worth so much was because he was the heart and soul of this team. He was there since the beginning. Fans knew him. Fans loved him, and he was always consistent. Even when he was having a down year, even when the Nationals were having a down year, there was only so low that Ryan Zimmerman could go. He was very consistent, and when he was very good, he was very good, and one of the reasons this team was winning. And you know, as and on a personal note, man, Ryan Zimmerman is the reason I love, I love baseball. I love baseball because of Ryan Zimmerman. Because I wasn't someone who grew up a huge baseball fan in a family that watched baseball. No, I kind of, I, I kind of like residually would watch. And then, then I saw the Nationals and I saw that they were coming to, to DC and I liked the color schemes and I saw Ryan Zimmerman hit a home run. And ever since then I was hooked. And Ryan Zimmerman to me is not only Mr. National, he is Mr. Baseball. That's how much he means to me. I'm wearing, I'm literally wearing a Zimmerman, uh, Jersey right now as I'm doing the show as I I do a lot when I would do this show um and and you know just to see him and what could be his final at bat his final appearance for the Nationals it was emotional it was emotional to everyone in DC especially considering we we're so close to that World Series win that we never got to celebrate properly but it's okay because Mr. National Ryan Zimmerman was there and during that World Series run, one of, the, you know, that last pitch obviously is going to live down as one of the best plays in DC sports. But if you're, but for a lot of people in the district, seeing Ryan Zimmerman hit that home run in, I believe, Game Two of the World Series, was one of the, I think, the most the happy and euphoric moments in DC sports, at least in in my time, because. It was it was a culmination of things. We Ryan Zimmerman had been there since the beginning. He'd been on very good teams. He'd been on very bad teams, and to see that all culminate in him hitting a home run in the World Series was one of the most 
beautiful things, honestly, that that a lot of DC fans had ever seen. He is someone who everyone will will always behold as a, as a as a legend in DC. He is Mr. National. He might as well be Mr. District. Um and I'll tell you one thing, that man is never paying for food, for drinks, whatever ever in this in the district. You can bet on that because he is li- literally that respected. Zim, we love you. We always remember you. Thank you so much for the memories. Happy trails Ryan Zimmerman. Thank you. Um it, yeah, and again, it, it, it's it, it's weird to talk about because he's someone also you, you always thought would be there. You always thought no matter what, Ryan Zimmerman is going to be a national, and then you're seeing him getting up in age, and he didn't play last year because of COVID. You know, you thought, have we seen the last of him? And, you know, we just, and then over the season, D.C. fans, like no matter how bad we were, we were good for a little bit, and then we fell off, but Ryan Zimmerman was there, and getting to see him take that final bow even because we lost because we couldn't get a win for for Mr. National but but seeing that was was still beautiful and and it, I was so glad to see that both teams the Red Sox and and the Nationals gave their respect because that that's how respected Ryan Zimmerman is he is he is people love him people love him that's just the truth um anyway you know what else people love this channel And I love it when you guys hit that like button, subscribe, and hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. Um, So, again, this was another NFL recap episode of Real Take Sports. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this, and I think that's going to do it for us this week. So be sure to join us again next time. I believe we're going to do a show Wednesday. Don't hold me to that, but uh, we're going to try to do a show Wednesday. In the meantime, keep the conversation going by going to twitter.com forward slash Real Take Sports or at Real Take Sports, as the kids say. Uh, Make sure you subscribe on YouTube. Hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. Until next time, I'm Umar from Real Take Sports signing off. Keep it real.